Thank you for listening to Namat's Movie Reviews Podcast, available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Stitcher. Also, please follow Matt's Movie Reviews on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, Reddit, Instagram, and MeWe. And of course, be sure to visit mattsmoviereviews.net for the latest reviews, top 10 lists, and more. Now, on to the show. À chaque année, de nombreux Québécois commémorent la résistance patriote à travers deux fêtes. La Journée nationale des Patriotes en mai et la commémoration des batailles patriotes en novembre. Ces hommages annuels, peu d'entre eux connaissent les détails de l'exil de 58 Canadiens du Bas-Canada vers l'Australie en tant que prisonniers politiques entre 1840 et 1848. Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews podcast. I am your host Matthew Perkovich and this is episode number 435. I had the pleasure recently of watching a documentary that was screened across Australia and New Zealand over this past month. The documentary is called Land of a Thousand Sorrows Revisited and explores with great detail the little-known story of the Canadian and American patriots from Lower and Upper Canada who were exiled to the penal colony of Australia from 1840 to 1848 and their legacy in both nations today. A thorough delve into history that is equally fascinating, tragic and of incredible importance for the people of Australia and Canada who do not know this story and the relevance it still holds today. Land of a Thousand Sorrows Revisited is also the latest film directed by Deke Richards, who I'm glad to say joins me today on the podcast. Deke, I thank you so very much for your time today. Thank you for having me on board. I really appreciate that, and thank you for taking the time to explore and and. Um talk about this the latest documentary of mine, which I very much appreciate. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's such a fascinating story to me. And I was really curious. I mean, this this story starts all the way back to like 1838, 1840 with the, with the uprising um, where um, the people in uh, Lower Canada up- uprised against uh, the Patriots, uprised against the uh, British rule at that time. 
Um, and you know, in Canada, um, it's these this this moment is actually um, commemorated. You have um, National Patriots Day in May. You have a commemoration of the Patriot Battles in November. Um, I'm curious, but for for yourself, as someone who's both both Australian and and, and Canadian, um, when did you want to really dive deeper into the story of the, of these men who were exiled uh, to Australia um, from from by the British Empire? I mean, what was it that really made you want to just jump into this piece of history and really just delve into it in a way that you had in your documentary? It began in 2008. I was already studying uh, another point of uh, another controversial point in Quebec Canadian history. And when I was doing that, I would always hear about the Patriots and the connection to the story. And there was an episode I was watching in 2008 called Canada of People's History. And the episode was talking about the Patriots of Upper and Lower Canada, which is now known as. Ontario and the present province of Quebec that had an insurrection against the British Empire, kind of like the American Revolution, but without the same results. And it further explained in the documentary how some of them that were spared the gallows uh, were then sent to exile to Van Diemen's Land in Australia. Or I should say, in this case, New South Wales at the time. Uh, and being, of course, an Australian citizen and a Quebec uh, Canadian uh, background, I was very fascinated by this story. And I asked myself the question, well, what happened to these people that were sent to, to the penal colony of Australia? What was their story? So when I did finally come to New South Wales in 2009, my interest was piqued by this story. And I went to a little bay called the City of Canada Bay near Sydney. Mm-hmm. And of course, I heard this reputation of some Canadians being sent there, but I didn't really understand what the details were until I saw this cairn at the Bayview Park in the city of Canada Bay, dedicated to 58 lower Canadians that were sent to that spot to work at the local stockade and to, uh, to expand the Parramatta Road, which was next to the stockade. So right, right there, I said, well, this is something I need to explore the story further. And going back to Quebec, I realized many people from that end were aware of the Patriot struggles. Of course, as you know, there's two holidays that we commemorate, their, uh, commemorate them, which is uh, the May 23rd, uh, May 19th, it all depends each year, but uh, Patriot Day, where the rest of Canada celebrates Victoria Day. And then there's the day we celebrate the victory over the British in the May uh, 23rd battle of the St. Denis. But they all understand it, but don't understand what happened to the ones that were sent here. And many of them thought they just all died in Australia. Now, on the flip side, Australia understands who maybe some of these people were based on the museums and the five plaques that are dedicated to them throughout New South Wales and Tasmania. But again, who were these people over in our part of the world? So this documentary was to bridge that gap and to have both sides of the ocean, see this and understand what the story was. And that was very important to me. But, but also by doing that, I realized there was other sub-stories I wanted to include, which include the American plight, as well as the New Zealand connection to the story to the HMS Buffalo, which transported the Patriots mm. from uh, Quebec to uh, New South Wales and, uh, of course, Van Diemen's Land. The thing that's always interesting to me when it comes to these stories of um you know the first fleet um etc is um you know 
growing up here in Australia, we hear about the history of it. We hear about how, um, you know, Australia was a penal colony for for criminals, essentially. You know, people in um, in England and in other Commonwealth countries like Ireland or Scotland, their jails were overflowing, so they got transported here to Australia. It was kind of like what what the British Empire did. The thing about the the, the fifty eight uh, men, the Patriots, who were sent here though um, from Canada, they weren't criminals. They were political prisoners. And in your documentary, one of your um, interviewees kind of makes a comparison to like what modern day Guantanamo Bay might have been. That's pretty much the experience they had as well, right? And that's a that's a big distinction we have to make here. They weren't criminals. They were pretty much exiles because of a political action. Is that correct? That is absolutely correct. And that was quote was made by Professor Tony Moore that features a lot in my documentary, but I also wrote a, 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 a definite account of it called Death of Liberty, about the various political prisoners in the British Empire that were sent to uh, Van Diemen's Land in New South Wales, who had fought in their own countries for uh, better land rights, better representation. But as the, my document here examines, uh, it was uh, 92 came from Upper Canada and 58 came from Lower Canada that were sent to uh, the penal colony of Australia, totaling well, 100 and, well, over 140, of course. Mm. And they were the ones who actually had the impact on the political system, not only in Australia, but as in the Commonwealth as we know it today. And also the other thing that's really interesting is that there is a, actually a book called um, Land of a Thousand Sorrows, and I was written by one of these men. His name was, um, and, and i got to just say right now to both you, yourself, Deke, and other people listening who are of French-speaking background, I'm really bad at my pronunciations with surnames, that so I just want to apologize now. Um, but his name was Francois-Maurice Lapalier, I believe, um, and he had that book, Land of a Thousand yes. Sorrows. And um, there was several other journals as well that other prisoners, um, I shouldn't say prisoners, but um, other people as well, the political prisoners wrote over in that time. Um, how, how soon did you get access to those journals? Um, and were they really kind of like the starting point of, of how you, as a modern-day Quebecian man, could really get inside the head of these men who, were, who just went through really grave injustice and really uh, quite a bit of suffering in their time um, in their first um, few um, several years here in Australia? Yes, absolutely. Those were very important tools, those three books. There were three journals, actually four journals written by the, the Canadians, as they were called at the time, uh, about their experiences in the penal colony of New South Wales. But three are now published in Australia in the English version, and uh, Land of a Thousand Sorrows being one of them. But yes, there were great tools for my research because they really described the day-by-day -day living. Two were actually written uh, when the two Canadians had returned to uh, a United Canada and they were more like afterthoughts, but the best one I found was uh, Francois Lapierre's uh, book, Land of a Thousand Sorrows. Uh, that was, you know, it was more like a journal he wrote secretly. He described his day-by-day -day living in, in that penal colony, what he saw firsthand. And unlike the convicts that were sent there, these political prisoners were bent on coming back. They, you know, they believed that they were, had a chance of returning to their homeland, although they were told otherwise that they were exiled for life. So that's why these journals were very important, particularly this one. It was written in the hope that one day his uh, family that he would eventually see would read this and understand better the events that he uh, experienced while in New South Wales. And um, many historian, historians actually use that journal as well as reference because it is very detailed 
Um, and it was, of course, a lot of these political prisoners uh, were well-educated men, lawyers, writers, you know, and very uh, skilled workers. So they, you know, they had understood both languages, English and French. So they, they were in a good position to be able to uh, write thoroughly their thoughts on day-by-day experiences of this. And like I said, it's still a helpful tool for many uh, historians today, such as myself when I started this adventure into uh, making a documentary and hopefully a miniseries out of this. When it comes to the revisited part of the of the film's title, Land of A Thousand Sorrows Revisited, pretty much what you've done is you came down to Australia, I think it was, what, 2016, 2017, you started shooting in Australia, the, the, the documentary? That's correct. So you came here and... My... Now, go ahead. Oh, yes, I started in January, principal photography, started in January 2017 when we started with that simple ceremony of an exchange between uh, one of the villages in Quebec and, of course, City of Canada Bay and a shared heritage with Joseph Marceau Mm -hmm. and uh, the Canadian Patriots. So, yes, it started in January 2017. And when you're here, and this happens quite a bit in the documentary where you speak of these different places um, that the uh, Patriots would have either stayed at or would have written about certain uh, stockades, cemeteries, uh, maybe a pub, um, the work that they did on uh, Parramatta Road, which was essentially like the first kind of highway that there was in New South Wales. And then you compare that to the modern day versions of these places. Um, and I always find it interesting that when, it, when it comes to history is that, you know, we are so we have our heads so stuck in the present that we all we often forget that we're we're walking on history here. We're walking on on the on the memories and in the bones and the in the blood and the sweat and the tears of so many people before us. What was that experience like for you walking in the in the places, standing in the places, seeing the places that were mentioned uh, and talked about in these journals and that you researched in the um, in putting together the story of these men. Well, it's one simple word to sum it up, spiritual, very, very spiritual. Knowing that you were on these very grounds that these people were at, such as the guardhouse where François Lapierre would be uh, watching the traffic on the Parramatta Road, writing his journal in secret, knowing the corner as it looked presently today, that was a very, you know, that was like, wow, this is where it happened. So all these locations I visited, after reading about it and then actually being on it first time, it was quite an experience and it just strengthened my resolve to tell the story to the masses. Uh, it was no longer just a personal project, although it started that way. I wanted it to be where the masses could enjoy it and understand their history better, as you thoroughly explained in the question. Um, and I did this recently as well. I finally went to Hobart and got further uh, 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 shots I will insert my documentary when I sell it, uh, you know, going through those paths as well. So it's very important when I took the story was to visit the same location as described in their book to help me get a true essence of what they were saying. So, yes, so to sum it all up, it was very spiritual walking through these spots. The Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast is brought to you by 80s Tees. 80s Tees is an online retailer of licensed t-shirts and pop culture gear from your favorite movies, TV shows, cartoons, video games, comic books, and musicians. 
celebrate your inner 80s nerd and click on the link in the show notes below to get the raddest retro t-shirts delivered to your door. The Matt's Movie Reviews podcast is brought to you by Loot Crate. Founded in 2012, Loot Crate is the worldwide leader in fan subscription boxes. Loot Crate partners with industry leaders in entertainment, gaming, sports, and pop culture to deliver monthly themed crates, produce interactive experiences in digital content, and film original video productions. No matter what you geek out about, Loot Crate has a subscription box for you. To get your very own exclusive collectibles, apparel, and gear delivered to your door, be sure to click on the link in the show notes below. The Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast is brought to you by TeePublic. TeePublic is the world's largest marketplace for independent creators to sell their work on the highest quality merchandise. With over 1.2 million designs, TeePublic is sure to have something you will love. That spiritual aspect of the story is something that's very important because these men, having coming from uh, Quebec, um, their religion was uh, Catholic. They were Catholic men and their religious life was very important to them, especially during those very tough times where they were, they went through really kind of physical and um, psychological anguish. Um, they were homesick. They didn't know what was happening with their family. A lot of these men had uh, wives and children. Um, and a lot of times all they had really had was their faith to kind of drive them forward. How, how important was that, that their, their faith, especially their Catholicism and um, the, the relationship with the church in Australia, which at that time, not many people know that, but back when, um, you know, the first settlers and stuff, Australia was an incredibly anti-Catholic country because, of course, the English coming from the Church of England, there was always that kind of uh, that schism there between them. Um, how important was their Catholicism for these men to keep them um, not only um, alive physically, but to also try to keep their spirits up as well. So when a lot of them did attain freedom, they were able to move forward and not only live their life, but some of them even forgive some of the um, oppressors that they had over them over their time in, in the penal colonies. Well, you said, I think that you've answered that question perfectly in, in, uh, in this question you just uh, asked me, but what I understood, from what I read, what I understood from their journals, yes, religion was one of the strongest factor to keep them going. They're all French Quebecois or Canadians, as they were called at the time, coming from very small villages across uh, Quebec, and which were very, you know, where religion was the hub of their uh, of the village. So that was a strong force that not only kept them alive, but they even weren't even stated that it kept them from suicide. They were so afraid of killing themselves to get out of the situation that they thought was a hellhole that, say, you know, because they were afraid of going to a darker place. So, right. yeah. ironically enough, it was also religion that kept them from trying to do away with their misery, as they would say. So it was an ironic thing that uh, kept them alive in more ways than one. When it came to piecing this documentary together, you used kind of like visual and audio recreations. There's kind of like animated parts, there's illustrations. Um, how much of the stuff that you used was was taken kind of from like archival um, uh, sources? Um, did you have to recreate a lot of stuff yourself or did you actually find illustrations and pictures that you could kind of like implement into your own documentary? 75% of it was, of course, archive footage and paintings. But 
the problem I had, you know, the biggest challenge I had was recreating something that there was no pictures of, mm. such as uh, the Long Bottom Stockade where the Canadians had stayed at. What did that look like? It was nothing except a map. So I had to recreate that. I had to recreate uh, the gates. You know, I just had to make a little world out of nothing, which I found very challenging, but yet very satisfying. Um, and also, I wanted to recreate who these men were as young, as uh, who they would have been as uh, in their 20s or 30s. We always see these paintings or old photographs of these gentlemen, and they're looking like, you know, in their late 60s, 70s. We don't get a sense of, you know, who they are by that, other than in their later years. So I really wanted to recreate what they would have looked like through animation as younger men. It gives the audience a sense of more of a connection, as opposed to, you know, it's, it gives them more of a human face, as opposed to paintings of uh, characters and people that not really represent who they are. So that was another important challenge of mine. And I think that really helped humanize these characters that were describing so in detail in this documentary. The, so that was another challenge, but I'm glad I did that. And yeah. it's, um, it really helped humanize these characters I've been describing so, uh, so much throughout the whole documentary. You have the great French-Canadian actor Luc Picard doing narration for the film. How did he come aboard the project? That was very easy. Um, Luc Picard is, uh, is a sovereignist, nationalist, Quebecer. He's, uh, he's very supportive of the patriot cause. There's a whole culture in Quebec that does. And he played in a movie called 15th February 1839, which is, you could also consider a prequel to the story I'm telling in my documentary, where uh, it focuses on five uh, upper Can lower Canadians that were hung for their crimes of the insurrection. So he played the ringleader of that. And so he had a deep connection to this story to begin with. So I approached him through, his, uh, through the St. John Baptist Society, which is an organization that still pushes the aims of the patriots. Um, we made him an offer through his agent. The agent, just based on the trailer I sent him, he immediately took, uh, he immediately said yes. He was a really class act, took his scale, didn't take any percentage. It was just strictly scale. He really believed in the project that much. And having him gave it that more credibility, having somebody who supported uh, the Patriot cause, as well as who played a major Patriot leader in a feature film. Mm -hmm. And ironically enough, many of the people in that film uh, in real life were actually ones that were sent to Australia. The ones that survived the hangman were the ones in that prison that were sent to uh, New South Wales. When you did this recent tour of Australia and New Zealand and you screened your movie, um, what kind of reactions did you get from people here in Australia? Because for myself, this story is incredibly fresh and new. Um, and, and, you know, in, in, the thing about history is so much of it kind of like just, you know, goes by the sand, with the sands of time that you, you you can't grab all of it. But so sometimes you get little kernels of it, like what you've done with, with your story and, and, it's, and it sticks with us. When it comes to the... the reactions that you got during your um your screenings was there any type of like uh, repeated kind of uh um uh questions or such that people would come to you or 
or were, did people even even know about this stuff? I mean, what type of reactions did you, did you receive? Um, the people, it's funny, I, the documentary is, is quite dense, as you probably know, from what you've seen. It's, it almost answers everything, but I didn't get many, um, I only got technical questions from the historians, such as, why were 13 Canadians sent on a one ship and the others were sent on another voyage? So it was more, why were the Americans, you know, they were asking about the modern day American politics of why the Americans would have invaded then and the politics now. So I got kind of questions like that. Um, very interesting questions, but um, uh, most of the time, uh, as soon as the screen was over, people just basically were saying we're more thankful for having seen it and keeping it. Like the Marshall uh, descendants who now lived in Australia and New Zealand, uh, they were very grateful for the project, keeping their family name alive through this one patriot out of the 58 Canadians who stayed in South Wales after they got their, um, their, uh, they got their freedom. Um, I, the, the French, the Quebecois crowd, market, it's been uh, a rather interesting. I've had a sh it's been more controversial, which is fine because that's what I want to encourage. Mm -hmm. I like when people get upset. At least it makes people think about their history. And in this case, this did. Because in Quebec, we still have issues of our sovereignty. And when many sovereignists who have seen this, uh, you know, they were st still invoked a lot of emotions in them. Uh, late Prime Minister Pierre Trudeau still invoked a lot of uh, uh, resonance towards what he did to uh, Quebecers in October of 1970 with the War Measures Act, arresting over 450 Quebecers. So that that still evokes a lot of you know you know emotions, particularly when they find out that he was one of the ones that inaugurated the, the, the monument at the city of Canada Bay back in 1970. Mm. So. Yeah, it's causing a bit of a stir over in Quebec, let's just say, right now. Which is fine, because nobody really knew this story. Nobody really cared about it, and I'm glad that people now are taking notice of it. So, yeah, that's that's one thing that's coming out of that, is people now questioning the, the historical ties and why we haven't done much more about it. So, I mean, that's, a, that's a positive thing, in a sense. I think so, too. And it, more attention to the, our legacy in Australia. Absolutely. I mean, it's such a fascinating documentary, the history of it, the, the people involved with it, um, the names that, that come up. And, and, and it's just like, I, I'm so glad that I watched it because I think it's important that stories like this are brought from the past, are brought to the present. Um, and I think it's really important that people talk about uh, what happened with these patriots, um, the treatment that they had in Australia and just the, the, the relevance that they still have both in Canada and Australia. And um, i got to ask you, Deke, I know you've um, toured this um, documentary. You've done stuff in, in North America. You've show, had showings here in Australia, New Zealand. Um, where, where are we looking at at the moment in regards to trying to get it on kind of like a um, uh, a channel or a platform? Is there any kind of uh, any type of news you can share in regards to that at the moment? Yes, of course. Well, I'm, I'm going to SBS with it in Australia, and I'm presently kind of, um, we're talking to a a broadcaster to back to finish to get the finishing funds to do the uh, to clear some of the rights of the uh, the news clips that used. So that's where I'm at the stage at right now. I did everything opposite. I wrote it, shopped it around, couldn't get anyone to really jump on board. You know, this is how it is. It's 
So I decided to shoot everything myself. Mm. Shoot first, ask money later, basically. So most of the stuff I cleared. I just needed a bit of money just to do the clearance of some of the footage on the third act that you've seen. And uh, that's where I'm at right now. So I'm trying to get some of the steals in both Quebec and in uh, uh, Australia. So both uh, both the sides of the ocean can see it simultaneously. Well, that, that'll be fantastic. And for everyone out there, if you ever hear any news in regards to Land of a Thousand Sorrows Revisited, um, I jump on top of it and watch it. I've watched it myself. I've watched the, the, um, the long version of the, of the documentary. So fascinating, so epic. Um, very well put together as well, Dick. Yourself and your editing team have done a really great job here, uh, piecing everything together, and the story just flows really well. And the, the coming in and out from the interviews to the archive stuff to, you know, it's just really fantastic work, Dan. And um, just congratulations to you. I know this has been a, a real uh, passion project of yours, and to see it um, now getting um, the, the wheels in motion, that we're going to see it um, in a hopefully simultaneous broadcast and other sides of the, of the ocean, I think would be incredible and um i can't wait to to share that news with people as soon as i find out and um deke richards congratulations again with the documentary and i, I so thank you very much for your time today we've we've been planning this for a little while now so it's so great that we can talk and um again thank you so much for your time thank you for having me on board and i just want to add that uh, once this is over i'm also in the process of uh talking to quebec producers to make this as a mini series so that's another thing um uh, that's in the work so uh, the documentary will not be uh, ending this chapter. It will only be the end of a new chapter. So, again, thank you very much for taking the time to looking at this project and uh, understanding what I, the message I'm trying to convey to everybody else and spreading the word. I appreciate that. Thank you, Matthew.